Well Talking Church, I am privileged to be joined by Martha Tennyson. It's amazing to have you on the podcast today. Wonderful to be here, and thank you for the invitation. Yes. I am excited about what we're going to discuss today. So we've had your son on the podcast a couple times and talked about some awesome theology and questions, and he's uh, joining you down in Springfield now soon. Yes. Or in the area. Yes. And uh, you were just with us at River Valley, and you spoke at what we call Seek Week, and you shared on healing. And I just have to say that it was not just one of the best messages on healing that I've heard. It was one of the best messages that I've heard. And and you're, you're speaking all over, but I just want to say thank you on behalf of our church and all the people who watched it. I mean, even on YouTube, there's been a lot of people that have watched it afterwards. Thank you so much. Thank you for the invitation, your pastor, and I just enjoyed it so much. I'm glad. Wonderful response from a great group of people. Yeah, it was it was phenomenal. And my dad and I, we talked about Seek Week a couple weeks ago, so we were singing the praises. But you've been speaking, traveling, doing this for a long time. 35 years. 35 years doing ministry, and you led with your husband for many years. Many years. Doing revivals. Talk about maybe your, your revivals and doing them. How did that get started? I mean, he was a pastor when you married him? or Right, absolutely. Uh, my husband was in the ministry for 62 years. I've been in the ministry for 52 years. So when we married, he had already been uh, preaching for 10 years and had already pastored a church in uh, Texas. And so he had resigned that church, came to Kentucky, where my home is, okay. and he was doing a revival at my home church. And so you didn't know him at this point? I didn't know him at this point. So uh, my pastor's wife introduced us. And so, and if, oh, he had been there three or four days, found out I was single, and asked me out. And uh, so we started dating. We dated for about two years. But in the meantime, he took a church in West Kentucky. Okay. And so he pastored that church about six months before we married. And then we pastored there three and a half years. From there, went to Tennessee to pastor. And then from there, we went on the evangelistic field for two years. And uh, then we traveled, went on, went to Radcliffe First Assembly in Kentucky for 12 years. When our son graduated from high school, we went back on the evangelistic field. And now I've been on the field for 35 years. Wow. So yeah, you were back and forth, pastoring, evangelism. Back and forth. when you married him, were you always thinking that you wanted to preach and, and share, or how did that start for you? No, i tell you how it started. I was working for General Telephone Company. As I say, I, they're the only people who pay me to talk eight hours a day. <laughs> so I got a job with them. And uh, But uh, about uh, four or five months after we married, I said, here's a good sermon, honey. This would be good for you to preach. He said, no, nope, God gave it to you. You're preaching it. I said, I'm not a preacher. He said, you are Sunday night. (laughs) So Sunday evening, the following Sunday evening, he put me up to preach. Wow. And he said, "Uh, you've got to listen to God. And I felt God calling me in that time. And he said, you've got to listen to God because, honey, I believe there's a call on your life. In in Kentucky at that time, how many years ago was that? That would have been uh, 52 years ago. 52 years ago. Was was preaching as a woman I mean what like talk about that at the time 50 years ago in Kentucky to me I mean again I'm I'm 27 so uh, I don't know but it right. seems like maybe some people might not receive that let me add, let me give you an, uh, a situation here it's much easier for a lady to break into ministry when her husband's already in the ministry sure they accept you as a team right 50 years ago a single lady could not have broken in as easily as a 
lady married to a minister already. Right. So you kindly just fit yourself in as the team. Sure. But I've never had any problem with anyone being a lady preacher. Wow. Wow. And doing it for over 50 years. 50 years. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Yes. So then you start traveling and talk about maybe some experiences from the road as evangelist for, again, over 30 years, but really doing ministry over 50. Right. What, what were some of the things that, did you like traveling? I mean, you're doing revivals and it can be a grind. I love traveling. I absolutely love preaching every night. I love motels. I love eating out. I love meeting different people. I love being on the road. Traveling is my life. Yeah. My calling. Yeah. And amazing. I absolutely love it. Is there any places in particular in the country that have a special affinity in your heart where if you get an invitation, it's an easy yes? Most places is easy yes. Most places. That's yes. amazing. Well, yeah. Now, when you're on stage, you're you're eccentric. You're you're full of life. Yes. And, and it, you can share how old you are. Yes. But it's up again. I won't say it. But oh, I'm 81 yeah. years old. 81. Absolutely. I'm an octogenarian. <laughs> and you're up there, and you're you're jumping, and yes. you're kicking, and you're you know filled just with the spirit and this joy. Was that always how you were? Always. What always? What pro- is what prompts that? I mean, not everyone's that way, but it seems so authentic for you. It, I'm excited about the thought of Jesus dying for me on the cross, forgiving me of my sins. And when I think about that, that energizes me, that excites me to think that a God, a God would come from heaven because he loved me enough. That even brings tears to my eyes. And that excites me. And to think about the presence of God and how real that presence wants to be to you and will be if you will allow it. But it all comes in not seeking things. It comes in seeking Him. How has, how has that shaped your humility, right? Because you get on stages, you do these revivals. Uh-huh. Sometimes people misinterpret what the Holy Spirit does with, oh, that must be Martha and that must be you or uh-huh. that must be your husband. And you're, you know that man's or or God's man of God or woman of God of power. How have you over the years combated that for even others who who prop you up on this pedestal? Well, what I have to come to realize, the results of anything that happens is God. Whether Martha Tennyson's there or not, God's going to move. God's going to have a people. And whether Martha Tennyson is part of it or not, God's still going to have a people. And what I have to realize, whatever happens, is God and not anything that Martha Tennyson has done. Nothing. And that's what we have to realize in our, in our spirit and what God does through us and works through us. Because if we're not careful, it can begin to puff us up. Look who you are. Look, look what we can do. We can't do a thing without Him. Yeah. And let me tell you something. Emotions needs to be released in our lives and that creates a spirit of humility. Yeah. Laughter is healing. Weeping is cleansing. And as long as your eyes leak, your head won't swell. <laughs> that's a good that's a good word. Yes. How has that shaped your personal walk, personal time with the Lord? I mean, I think it's it's easy for people to and I've I haven't been in ministry that long. It'll be seven years coming yes. up on seven years. 
but I've even seen that there are messages that you can kind of have in the bank almost. Uh-huh. Like yes. you, you preached them a bunch of times. Yes. How have you remained over doing revival services week after week after week where you keep them fresh to where you're not just mailing it in, you're actually, it's, it's new and fresh for the people that are in the room and maybe you've preached a similar message before, but I've always thought that like, wow, sometimes evangelists, they preach the same message, but you want God do, to do something new. Does that make sense? Uh, totally. The prayer that you put into it over the message makes the difference. How many times in our life have we read the 23rd Psalm? But if we'll read it in the attitude that we need to read it in, it's always uh, ministers to us and it's fresh. See, the Word of God never grows old. The Word of God doesn't expire. It has no expiration date. So it doesn't matter how many times this message has been preached. If I seek God, it's the anointing over the message that makes the difference. The letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life. And so if I seek God over this message, if I pray over this message, and uh, it's still the word of God. Okay, and the Word of God is always fresh. It doesn't matter how many times I could quote the 23rd Psalm, it's fresh. And that's the way it is with messages. The Word of God will always be fresh. Doesn't matter how many times you preach it. Because it has been prayed over, you've sought God about it, and you've asked the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Always I ask for fresh oil from the throne. Yesterday's anointing is not sufficient for today, but I've got to have fresh oil every day from the throne. And every message that I preach, how many times I preach it, I always seek God over this message and say, God, give me fresh oil for this message. Yeah. Amen. And that's what makes the difference. Yeah, that's so good. I think at times we let our own circumstances in our life dictate the, what comes out of us, right? Yes. And not the Word of God. Yes. You've been through a lot in 50 years of ministry. Absolutely. Some ups and downs, some tragedies, some moments that many people wouldn't be able to handle and carry. Can you maybe talk about seeing God in those moments or even how you've been able to, as a minister of the gospel, but also you're carrying the weight of people dying and tragedy Absolutely. happening, losing people that they love. and. They're asking a lot of questions that are heavy questions, but you still need to minister. Absolutely. Uh, the thing of it is, is your valid walk with God. Always have a valid walk with God. I cannot live on past experiences, but I have to have an up-to-date valid walk. An example, the tragedy you referred to of the bus where we lost all those children, 20 four children and three staff members. The morning of that tragedy, it happened at 1055 on a Saturday evening, them returning from an outing here in Kings Island, Ohio, 75 miles from home with a drunken driver hitting the bus, right headlight to right headlight, driving the frame eight feet back under the bus and caught on fire and uh, 27 didn't make it off. Okay. so. Sunday morning, they call my husband to the site to help identify bodies on the site. And uh, he told me to stay there at the church to preach. 
after the service, a reporter from one of our networks came up to me and said, I understand you're the pastor's wife of this church. Let me ask you, how is your faith in God today? And I looked at him and I said these words, sir, I've never gone through a valley this low. I've never cried as shed as many tears as I'm shedding right now. But my faith in God has never been stronger than it is at this moment. Mm. His comfort, his grace, his strength is stronger than I've ever felt it. Well, listen to me. I preached 10 minutes on the national news. They didn't edit anything I said wow. about the grace and strength of God. But let me tell you something. What he was asking is this. Do you just have a title or do you have a testimony? Hmm. Wow. We don't need just a title. That's not enough. We need a testimony. And he's saying what you're going through now is your God still able. Yeah. And that's how you have to say, God, you, you can't, you have to be prayed through. You can't say, I'm going through this. Give me time to pray through. You've got to be prayed through. Yeah to be able to go through that. Um, you shared a story uh, about that yes. at our church, and maybe those who are listening didn't get to hear that message, but story about some roses. Yes. Could you share that? And I'd I think be, it could lift people's faith. I'd be happy to. Uh, on that bus was Joy Williams, who was our uh, youth, past, uh, youth choir director. She had her two daughters on there, Kristen and Robin. Kristen was 14 and Robin was 10. She didn't make it off, uh, neither did the girls, either two of them. Well, when we had to tell her husband that, you know, the family had gone to be with the Lord, well, of course, he just went into depression almost. Yeah. But yeah, he God lost is. His, he lost two daughters and his wife. And his wife, sure did. And, uh, uh, and God has since given him a ministry to men and to families. In fact, he just retired last year as the men's director for the state of Kentucky for the Assemblies of God. March the 4th, 1990, he was to be in North Carolina to do a service. He said, I looked at my calendar on the 2nd of March, Friday, thinking, you know, the 4th would have been my oldest daughter's 16th birthday. I promised her when she got to be 16, I was going to take her out to lunch, give her 16 red roses. He said, I don't want to go to North Carolina. I want to go to Poplar Bluff, Missouri, take 16 red roses, lay them on a grave, wrap my arms around a coal monument and cry my eyes out. And he said, I tried to cancel the engagement, but there was no answer. Saturday morning, he was praying. And the Lord said to him, I want you to wire 16 red roses to that church where you're going, be on your plane this afternoon. And he said, why God? And God said two words to him, trust me. And let me say something here. The reason we don't trust God any more than we do, we only trust people we know. We only know people we fellowship. And the more I fellowship God, the more I'm gonna know God. The more I know God, the more I'm gonna trust God. And he said he got up from where he's praying, wired 16 red roses that church where he's going. Pastor picked him up at the airport and said, Lee, we received 16 red roses for the church today, what are they for? He said, I don't know, Pastor, trust God and trust me. He was praying Sunday morning. And Sunday morning, the Lord spoke to his heart and said, 
there's going to be a special young lady here today. I will let you know who she is. Give her the roses. He said, I went into the youth group. No one in there witnessed to my spirit. He walked into the worship service, said to the youth pastor, if another young lady comes in here today, tell me her name. He said, in the middle of the worship service, a young lady walked down the aisle and the Lord spoke to him and said, that's her. He said, I looked at the youth pastor and said, what's her name? And said, her name is Missy. And he said, when I got up to minister, I said, folks, I'm gonna be as transparent with you today as I know how to be. I didn't want to be here today. I wanted to go to Poplar Bluff, Missouri, lay 16 red roses on a daughter's grave that would have been 16 today, wrap my arms around a cool monument and cry my eyes out. But the Lord told me to come here today. He told me to wear 16 red roses to this church. And a few minutes ago, he told me to give them to Missy. And he said, come up here, honey. You're gonna be my daughter today. He said, I put my arms around her, said I'd rather hug flesh and bone than I would a coal monument. And he said, I'm gonna give you these roses and I'm gonna take you and the youth group out to lunch. He said that whole church broke down weeping, just weeping out loud. After the service, Missy came to him and said, Mr. Williams, you don't know me. And of course he didn't. She said, three years ago, my father, I mean, my mother dropped me off on the streets of Jacksonville, Florida, never returned from me. I don't know who my father is. I never met him. Three months ago, a lady evangelist from the Assemblies of God picked me up off the streets of Jacksonville, Florida, brought me to Teen Challenge here in North Carolina. I started attending this church and gave my heart to the Lord. Mr. Williams, I awaken today to the truth. Today is my 16th birthday. She said, I begin to weep. And I said, God, I don't know where my mother is. I don't know who my father is. No one cares that I'm 16 today. Jesus, if you love me like they say you do, if you care for me like they say you do, when I go to church today, every young lady would like to have 16 red roses for her birthday. Let someone give me 16 red roses. The point, God took the hurting heart of a man in the state of Kentucky, took that hurting heart to the state of North Carolina to let a 16-year-old girl know I am who they say that I am and I can do what they say that I can do. And I love you like they say I do. That's what God's about. It's incredible. It's a miracle. It's only God that can do anything like that. Yeah. That's called the supernatural. Many people, I think, are skeptical of the supernatural, but then they hear a story like that and they're caught up in their own skepticism with the reality of the truth of this story. Yes. And I'm sure there's many stories like that that we could share about God's provision yes. and Him just reminding and showing up. but. As you've talked to people throughout your 50 years of ministry, you're 81, and they're skeptical. And you think about evangelism, right? Because evangelism is not just about sharing the gospel with believers. It's about sharing the gospel with people who don't yet believe. Absolutely. Can you maybe talk about how you've really opened that to yourself to be confident to talking to skeptics who maybe don't even believe what you say, but you say, I'm confident in the word and maybe some some ways that you've done that that have freed you up? Because I think there's a lot of people that are worried about what is 
what are they going to think about it? Or I don't want to mislead them or yes. I don't want to uh, make them hate Jesus if by my words. You know, right. have you ever felt any of that? Not really. Uh, well, I'm going to bring something to you in this. When we are honest about God, it's called worship. When we're honest to believers about God, it's a testimony. When we're honest about God to unbelievers, it's called a witness. And it's the audience that we're speaking to is the way we bring it about. Right. And when we're talking to unbelievers, as you're talking now, when we talk to them, we have to bring it to them in a measure that we feel like that will not be overwhelming to them, that they'll understand. And sometimes we don't understand how to do that. Right. You know, we don't know, know how to lead into that. Uh, I was on an airplane one time uh, flying to Pennsylvania to do a women's retreat. There was a gentleman sitting by me on the plane, and he said, uh, introduced himself, and he said, uh, what do you do? And I said, well, I uh, tell people about Jesus. And he looked at me, and he said, oh. He said, you know what? He said, I got on this plane. I'm a millionaire. I'm losing everything that I've worked for. Because of that, I'm losing my wife and my f children. She's filing for divorce, and I'm losing them. And he said, ma'am, I don't understand the Bible when I read it. And I said, sir, it's because you don't know, you don't know who's writing to you. If your aunt wrote to me, I wouldn't understand her letter either. I don't know her. And to understand the Bible, you have to understand who's writing to you. And he said to me, I stepped on this plane and I said, God, if there's a God, reveal yourself to me on this plane. And he said, explain that to me. So in a lead-in, you don't have to start out with what they don't understand. You can always go with a lead-in. Right. And with the lead-in, I begin to talk to him about the things of God and what God would do. Before he left, got off the plane, I had led him to Jesus. Hmm. Well, he said, where are you going to be during the week? And I told him. And the pastor's wife said to me, you have a phone call. So I went to the phone, and he explained to me, this is who you sat by on the plane. I went by where my wife was, asked her to go to church with me one more time before we broke up the family. She gave her heart to the Lord today. We're putting our family back together. Wow. You can't jump on an unbeliever and overwhelm them. Lead them into whatever you're discussing with them. Start with something maybe in the natural that will lead into that. Yeah. And that's the difference in uh, testifying to a believer and witnessing to an unbeliever. Right, that's so good. Yeah. For maybe people who are younger, who don't have the experience, and maybe, again, we talk about intimidating witnessing to others, but even in their own life, right? How do I, I, I think people, our culture, not, not necessarily biblical culture, but the culture is we want to become something. We yes. want to be great. We want to be known. And obviously we talked about humility a little bit before, but what would you say to someone who's younger in ministry or younger in their faith and, and they want to pursue the calling that God has put on their life, but maybe they don't know what to do and, and they, they see the stage and they see the conference and they see the revival, 
but then they see themselves in the pew or in the seat and they don't know where the what to do in the middle what would you say to them well between the call and the actual uh fulfilling the call right the call let's remember this the call is for preparation the command is to go and many times we get the call and the command mixed up we will take the call as to go the call is to prepare and the command is to go give yourself time to learn let somebody mentor you even though you feel called let them mentor you don't try to jump in to what you feel like you're called to do right but prepare yourself for that one day the preparation will be there and then the command will come to you to go and that's what we've got to separate you understand what i'm yeah, saying yeah absolutely sometimes we feel the call and we want to drop everything immediately and think hey i've got to be on the i've got to be up front i've got to be preaching i've got to be doing this no prepare yourself right in that drilling down a little bit further in that preparation season what would you say to someone who feels like okay i know i'm maybe not i don't have the command yet or yes. i don't have the authority or the position yet because i'm haven't properly prepared uh-huh what are some of those things that the importance that they can be doing in that preparation season for someone who maybe hasn't been given the mantle. Again, there's a lot of lead pastors who listen to this, but there's also a lot of people who'd say, I'm just getting started. Right. Or I maybe that maybe is me. What are what's the importance of the preparation that you've seen with people throughout the fifty years? You've seen it in your husband, you've seen it in your own life, but even you've probably had a hand in a lot of people's ministries getting started. Surely. What is what are some of the things that you've seen that have been the right things to do in those preparation seasons? Do what you see needs to be done. If you need to pick up the church after everybody's gone, do it. Look for something to minister in your life that God can use you to minister, whatever it is. Look for it. Hey, the church needs to be cleaned up afterwards. Uh, you know, can I do something to help around the church? Uh, is there anything that I could do, Pastor, to relieve you of something? See, only two people in a job start at the top. That's uh, people that work for, the, for you know, the uh, drainage system and, and grave diggers. <laughs> That's the only two jobs that start at the top. So I learn if we can learn from the bottom up. I may be a pastor of a small church. I may have to mow the lawn one day. I may have to clean the church one day. I may have to go pick up somebody one day. Do what needs to be done. Look for something to do. Right. See, ministry is not just pulpit ministry. Ministry involves many things. Yes. That's how you start ministry, is looking for what can I do to help out. That's what I would advise them to do. Say, Pastor, maybe I could go with you to on a hospital visit. Or maybe, what else? Could, could I do something to help you, Pastor? Right. You, are are yeah. you following? Yeah, it makes See? sense. Yeah. We've talked about a lot in this short time, but before we close, would love if maybe you could share an encouragement to people and e even how you started this conversation about how it's the authenticity of your relationship with God. You shared about how you can't really know somebody if you don't spend time with them. That's it. Right? Can you maybe encourage many people listening who are ministers of the gospel, men and women who are 
giving their lives to this maybe vocationally or maybe they're they're just giving it to their church. They're wanting to lean into what God is speaking to them. Maybe if you could give a sort of prophetic encouragement in a way to be a lift to people that are ministering as you've done this for 50 years. Yes. Maybe people that are looking at you and say, I would love to be 81, still kicking, still <laughs> doing ministry, and maybe can encourage us before we close. I tell you what, it all stems down once again to your walk with God. And what we need to realize, especially with ministers, don't just seek God for a message. Seek God for a personal relationship with Him. Don't just read the Word to get a message. Don't just pray because you're going to preach. Daily, just fellowship with Him. God, I'm going to read the Word because I want the Word to minister to me. I'm not trying to get a message. I want the Word to minister to me. God, I'm praying not because I've got to preach, but I'm seeking you because I want a fellowship and relationship with you. That's what I want. And if we'll do that daily, that keeps us encouraged. It's not me, my uh, sermon preparation that keeps me encouraged. It's not praying over a message that keeps me encouraged. But what keeps me encouraged is my daily walk with Him. The old song says, and He walks with me, and He talks with me, and He tells me I'm His own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. And that's what keeps us encouraged in the ministry, is our daily walk with Him. It's not even what I see that the world would say is successful. That can last, but it can be a short-lived. But what keeps me daily, continually, encouraged in the ministry and have a fresh relationship and fellowship is the daily communication, not for getting a message, not for praying over a message, seeking God as I preached at River Valley, not seeking the healing, seeking the healer. Yeah. Not seeking the provision, seek the provider. Yeah. Don't seek the promise, seek the promise. Don't seek for a message even, seek the messenger. And that's what keeps our walk fresh and keeps us encouraged in God. How do we face a bus tragedy? Daily, we still sought God. And the Lord upheld us and made us a promise that He'd see us through the other side. Amen. 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 It's an amazing reminder, and thank you for sharing that yes. and the message of your life and your ministry. And it's been a privilege to chat, and maybe we'll do it again sometime. Love to. But keep on doing your ministry. And I'm sure there's people listening that say, I'd love to get you to come and do a service at our church we would give you a ringing endorsement thank and, you uh, so love much doing ministry alongside each other maybe we have a little bit of an age gap but the purpose is aligned and thank yeah. you for sharing with us today thank you for the opportunity i appreciate it so much i've enjoyed it thank you thank you